The Marlins head into Atlanta desperately in need of a series victory after getting, well, mini sweep by those Rays. Can they get it done on the road in ATL? We're going to dive into all of that and more on today's Locked On Marlins. You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Marlins, your daily Marlins podcast with me, Peter Pratt. Don't forget to follow me, guys, of course, on Twitter at Miami Marlins underscore UK. Welcome to the Friday episode of Locked On Marlins. And we are sitting here pregame, ready to rock and roll with the Braves. And uh, I have one of the UK goats in the house. Bob Bamber is back. Second appearance on Locked On Marlins. Bob, how are you doing? I am in awe of the presentation. This is this is awesome. This is a big upgrade on last month. I, I think next month you're going to have to pay for the train fare. I'm going to have to come up. I'm going to have to shoot it live in person. That's the only way we can top this. Let's do it. Let's do it. The expenses budget is... I've got the Amex. They've sent the oh, gold yeah. Amex over. So listen, we're just printing <laughs> money here on lockdown, I guess. So. Unlike the Marlins, right? There we go. <laughs> no doubt about it. We'll wait and see. Maybe that they've got a trade brewing, but... Nevertheless, Bob, it's been a month since we spoke and um, you know, really <laughs> a lot has changed and not much has changed in some ways with these teams. They're, they're kind of struggling to find their groove just in the in, since the last time we spoke, try and summarize where we've been, where the Braves have been at. Obviously, the Marlins and Braves saw each other last weekend. Close, close series, one run games galore, plus a Sandy complete game, which was absolutely stunning. But overall, how you, how's your assessment of this uh, 2022 Braves looking? Um, I don't know whether we're exactly aligned, but it was either it's in the last couple of days we've hit like the same record at the same point last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of said before we started recording, like, I know one feels comfortable about it, but it's almost like uh, I don't feel reassured by the fact that this is the record we had last year, knowing what it took to get from where we were in the middle of last year to, to where we ended up. Um, yeah. we're still treading water tonight. Uh, they are aiming to win uh, game or the fourth game of the series against Philadelphia, and this would be the first three-game winning streak of the year. Um, it's been one of those years. I've also checked. I, if I uh, my notes are over here, by the way, for people watching, I'm not just ignoring Pete. I don't think they've lost three games in a row this season either. So it's been very much like that. It's just been very much like that all the way along. Uh, win a couple, win one, lose two, that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, it's it's not a disaster, uh, but I think every few days feels a bit frustrating. And, and, like, every win, like, we're not blowing many teams away. Every win's, like, really hard fought. Like, it feels like the offense perpetually scores, like, three or four runs a night, and that is tough to watch sometimes even when they're winning it's it's stressful yeah it's it's interesting you know we got we saw that last weekend it was like a lot of close games you know three four runs for both teams you know one run wins either way Um, i guess the big news that came out on wednesday uh roddy acuna was scratched from the start some quad tightness some kind of issues you know that's the second muscle kind of related issue he's he's had obviously had the groin now a quad 
Um, you know, what's what's going to be the plan here with the Braves? Are they just going to kind of be a little bit more steady with with Ronnie and kind of just ease his way back in rather than just like every day in? What's what's the plan here? I, I think it's quite difficult to tell a guy like Ronald Acuna to you know <laughs> sit down for a couple of days. Like like very, like no no. Knowing how he plays the game and knowing his personality, uh, it, it, it's the, the big knee injury and it is the old classic sport thing. If you come back from one injury and like that bit's fine, but the stuff around it's kind of underdeveloped. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen the lineup. Uh, for, and we're recording this Thursday. I mean, I think it's going up Friday. I haven't seen the lineup for uh, Thursday's game, people will, will watch this knowing whether he's played or not. But we had the thing last week where he was out the lineup for like four or five days in a row and then he was back and he seems to be fine and then he's got another thing. Um, they're not hitting well enough or playing well enough to the point where like they can reasonably tell Acuna to, to go on the IL for 10 days because that's 10 days they might not get back. Um, so I, I think it is just day by day. But I don't think it's anything serious. I, I think it's just that the way he plays the game uh, there's always going to be teething issues like this, and I think they're just going to have to hope that um, they can get away with it. Um, so we'll, we'll see. It's it's funny because the Marlins, in a way, are facing a similar problem with Jazz. Obviously, Jazz isn't coming off uh, you know an ACL tear clearly, but you know it's these types of guys that play it at not just 100 mile an hour, 110, 120 mile an hour. You know, these are the problems you're going to run into. Little kind of niggles here, there, and everywhere. And they're so hard to sit, like telling Jazz, like Ronnie, to sit down for a few days. He's not taking that well. He doesn't want to be sitting down. But, you know, he missed the whole of the series, only a two-game series, though, in, in Tampa. Um, he was taking BP, though. Uh, did did the, the rest of the Marlins not miss that series? Or did I did I imagine that? The, the Marlins were a little bit uh, underwhelming in Tampa. Okay. But the thing, is, the thing is with the Rays, this is what, what kind of caught my eye with them. You you always look at their lineup and go, they're beatable. They should be beatable. You look at it on paper, and then you actually get to it, and all of a sudden you've got Harold Ramirez, ex-Marlin, hadn't hit a home run all year, has home runs in back-to-back games against the Fish. I mean, that just kind of sums it up for, for the Marlins. Game one in particular was just a real turgid performance. Um, then they got a bit creative in game two. Cody Poteet starting, Trevor Rogers pushed back, and that's going to be one of the topics we're going to get into now. They pushed Trevor specifically back to face the Braves again after they faced him last week, and it wasn't great either. So a puzzling decision. Cody Poteet goes out, gives five runs up in the first inning, and the Marlins never, never recovered. So, you know, it's we're in that stage of the season, mate. Injuries are starting to appear, not just for the Fish, but for everyone. Feels like all of a sudden, end of May, we're getting like a cluster of injuries across the league now where maybe Shorten Springs kicking in. I don't know. What about you? Um... I don't think it's affected the Braves too badly. Uh, the pitching's mostly been fine. And Rosario's on the IL, but that was an eye problem or to, yeah. uh, an eye problem, you know. Uh, Tyler Matzek's on the IL with an inflamed ERA, you know, all that kind of thing. Um, so, you know, there's a few bits and pieces. Um, I just think it's, look, it, it's a sport where there are. What nine hundred players? No, hang on a minute. What's my maths like? There's about what seven hundred and fifty players on the major league at any one time. You're gonna get injuries with that kind of scale. Uh, guys are gonna get hurt. Uh, Max shirts are getting hurt. Is 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 no huge surprise. Um, 
that's just what you get with a guy that plays like he does with the mileage he gets. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know. Maybe there's some numbers that suggest these are, these are abnormally high, but I, I can't say that I, I think there's anything too out of out of line at the moment. No, no, it's uh, you know the Marlins equally dealt with uh, a bit of a COVID issue too. So that's you know another layer that you know is there again this year. You know, a couple of guys go down: John John Bertie, Richard Blyer, then Wendell Hamstring. They've just had a little cluster of injuries, and you know Jazz then as well out of the lineup and it's just going to that game one in Tampa. It was a real poor show, but the lineup was, you know, it's real weak, quick, right? You take four starters out your lineup. It's going to hurt anyone. It really is. So, you know, it just is what it is. And, you know, then they're dealing with some of the rotation issues. Lozado's hit the IL. What's happening with Eliezer Hernandez, Cody Poteet. He's kind of making spot starts. So it's been a real tough May for the Marlins. It really has. I think they've got the worst record in baseball in May. So that just kind of sums it up. I think they've won only six games in May, and maybe a few of them were against the Nats. Maybe all of them were against the Nats. I don't even know. So it's been it's been a bit of a struggle. But you know, sitting here now, Bob, what I would say, the the difference we've got that maybe the Braves have, maybe I'm interested to get your take now. What you don't ha- what you what you had last year was a Mets that came backwards real quick, and that kind of let the Braves in, if that makes sense. Like the Braves weren't fantastic in the regular season. The Mets. I'm intrigued. Where's your head at with these? Are they going to kick on? I mean, they've had the injury bug, which has kind of, I think, really affected them this week with a couple of you know blowouts. They've been blown out a couple of times where they're throwing out there some junk starters. You know, maybe the Mets are going to come back, but it feel they feel like a different Mets, particularly if they're healthy. What about you? Yeah, they they, they feel like they're they're hitting better than they were. Pete Alonso's yeah back to where he was when he first appeared in majors. Um, the, the lineup looks deeper than it has and granted that was the idea with with, with how they moved this offseason um, I, I think it comes back to what I said last time I was on the show I, I think if this was the old method of qualifying for the postseason you'd be a little bit concerned uh, and, yeah. or, okay, you'd be more concerned um, in the sense that first gets you in, second gets you a one-off game I mean the, the, the way the current one works first might not even get you in. It might just put you in the wild card spot, and so it's almost like the, you know, it's true for the Braves. It's for everyone else. You're always trying to finish second. You might be anyway. Um, okay, there are other issues with that. You then got to try and beat teams with better records in other divisions. Um, but I, I, mean, I don't subscribe to it loads, but there is the theory that the Mets had a lot of batted ball luck. They had a lot of pitchers pitching well beyond where people thought they would, and some of that might rebound, and maybe some of that is already. Um, we're a quarter of the way through the season. Um, what we've seen the Mets go out hard before. Like, I, I suspect it's more likely than not they'll, they'll stick the course this year, um, but I don't think they're as good as the first month and a half, two months suggest they have they are. Yeah. I think I'm with you. I think I don't think they're a hundred and five win team or whatever maybe you'd project out. That I don't think they're in that at that level. I do I do feel more confident that this Mets are more for real and they can stay the course. But you know, DeGrom, Scherzer, McGill all out the rotation it puts a lot of strain on them. It, you know, the Mets have the firepower to go out there and, and make a trade happen. And maybe teams are already thinking about selling, you know, some, some starting pitching or whatever. I don't know. Oh, to see what they do. 
The Mar- <laughs> I mean, the Marlins have a lot of pitching. They do. I'm not, I'm not convinced we're in the race this year, if I'm completely honest, like the way we've started. This May's been poor. Um, so I don't know. We'll have to see. Um, we, let's get into some of the offensive guys for the Braves. Uh, there's a few names that are really popping right now that I really want to get your take on. Uh, before we do that, guys, reminder, this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. And we've been asking and Built have delivered. Built granola bars are here. Built granola bars come in three unbelievable flavors. Chocolate peanut butter, chocolate coconut, and white chocolate berry. Want to try all three flavors? You can get a mixed box at Built.com right now. These are so different from the bars and the puffs. Built granola bars are loaded with granola, of course. It's the perfect combination of crunch and chewiness. But just like bars and puffs, these babies are packed with protein and covered in 100% real chocolate, 150 calories, 15 grams of protein, 4 grams of sugar. Boy, oh boy, built granola bars will change your world. Big statement, but if you like what you're hearing, get yourself over to built.com. Go and get those built granola bars now. Use promo code LOCKED15, that is LOCKED15, to get 15% off your order. Bob, those built granola bars are sounding wonderful. Mm. <laughs> no doubt. Um, who else is playing wonderfully? William Contreras. Just talk to me now. What the hell is going on with Contreras? He is absolutely scorching hot right now. He's carrying the Braves offense. I mean, speaking of built granola bars, let's talk about Bill Contreras, shall we? I mean, he's... <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at the, the numbers here. 44 at bat, seven home runs. I mean, like, I, I don't know why, I don't think he was hitting in the spot last night, but there was one game in the series where he was hitting in the two spot. And I kind of thought, yeah, this is how we drew it up. Mid May, Freddie Freeman's gone. Our backup catcher is hitting in Freddie Freeman's spot. And it was, and he is, and he's hitting incredibly well. It's not remotely sustainable. Talk about the Mets being remotely sustainable. Um, but like, it, it, it kind of, says a lot that like we've kind of gone Marcelo Zuna's so bad in left field we'd rather put our backup catcher out there and, he, and he's hitting as good as anybody in the lineup in fact he's hitting better than anyone in the lineup too frank um and you know I think we spoke about it a month ago like sometimes you need a guy for like two weeks Unlike you know, Travis Demerit was that guy, and he's been awful ever since. But there was like a a ten day period where he was the best hitter on the Braves, and I expect you know by the time this comes out, he he may well have been cut uh, or DFA'd anyway. I don't think they're going to get rid of him. But um, uh, and now it's Contreras' turn, uh, and that might last for five more days. It might have already finished. It might last for the next month. At some point, he's going to cool off a bit. But if the Braves can win more than they lose in that time, then it's it, it's really good. But it's fun to watch. And, and like at a time when uh, I would say everyone else is scuttling a bit, there's some guys in the middle. Downsby Swanson's hitting really well this month, by the way. That's also worth saying. Um, yeah. it, it, it is at the moment like we need a couple of guys to step up for 10, 14 days at a time while the offense is mm. still a bit stingy. Exactly, mate. I mean, it, it kind of reminds me, this this whole Contreras situation of Travis Darno a few years back, I think maybe in 2020, where Darno just was, but he just went bananas pretty much for the whole 2020 season. Like, and it was a short year, clearly, but like somehow the Braves get un, just unreal production out of the catcher yeah. offensively. And that's it's a true difference maker, though, because you look across the league, if your catcher is delivering that level of production, 
it's a massive, massive benefit and a massive, you know, upgrade over what what the other lineup and the other catchers are probably doing. So, what's Darno doing? I guess what is he losing playing time accordingly, or how are they going to manage this while while this Contreras run continues? I I, I think Darno's hitting pretty well, reasonably well. Uh, yeah, reasonably well as catchers go, pretty well. Um, uh, like. I think he's still the number one catcher. I think um, Contreras, they can get away with him in the outfield. They can DH him. This was one of the concerns was, was Snicker too old school, the manager, to be willing to put his spare catcher in the DH slot? And for a long time, you would have said the answer was yes, he, he wouldn't be willing to do it. And then a few nights ago, he did it. And it's like, well, good. Like, you can... You know the the off chance that the chance of one of your catchers getting hurt in a game is pretty low. Darno does get hurt. You just lose the DH for the game, and you play old school NL rules at least with yourself. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I think Darno's still going to be the primary catcher, but between DH left field and the backup catching job, the way Contreras is hitting, he's going to be in the lineup most days. They, they're going to find a way. It's got to be done. It has to be. The the problem the Braves, I guess, are facing here right now is obviously you've got Ozuna that really needs to be DHing. Ronald's obviously kind of coming back, had to DH in Miami because of the the artificial turf. You've then got, you know, Contreras and Darno. They both want in the lineup as well. It's like you've kind of got three DHs really at this point in the season anyway, particularly with Ronald uh, kind of working his way back. So it's a bit tough, right? And that's kind of why you end up with um, Demerit kind of still on the roster still working the outfield too, right? The the offensive production has been terrible from him. I think he was on an 0 for 30 skid or something. Uh, but Yeah, I mean, uh, they've got Guillermo Heredia on the roster for the whole kind of defensive replacement, sword swinging, you know, we're not really worried about offense-type production. So, like, I don't think Demerit's going to be long, long for this this major league roster if he's going to keep hitting the way he has in the last week, 10 days. Um, but, yeah, it is just muddling along um you know the interesting thing is if they do send demerit down um as far as i'm aware there's only one other hitter on the 40-man roster which is drew waters um it was an interesting name uh that's not to say they couldn't bring alex dickerson back up but he's a dh only guy um there's Michael Harris, who is, you know, the the, you know, the, the, the second coming, really, at the moment. Um, the, the way he's hitting in the minor leagues, he's an option. I'm not sure that's likely. And you can also make a minor trade as well and things like that. But, um, yeah, they're, they're going with what they've got. And this is like, you know, I don't call it classic AA. I don't think there's anything particularly remarkable about this. But he is just making the best of what he's got and trying to, within the ballpark of where he wants to play, he's going to say, okay, I'm going to push these limits as far as I can. Um, and so we'll see. But that they are bumbling along right now offensively. Like I say, sometimes it's a bit painful. Um, it feels like scoring more than four or five runs is a struggle for this team. Um, but the pitching are reasonably good. It's just that like they're winning. They're not blowing teams away right now. They're not being involved in those 15-4 games that are like really nice every now and then where you can just run through your backup bullpen guys. Everything's a real struggle. But again, I feel like I was saying a lot of this last year. It feels pretty much like a carbon copy, to be honest. You know, it's it's same... The Braves are in pretty much the same spot they were last year, and they obviously just you know went on that fantastic second half run after the deadline. And I think if things trend this way, 
double A is going to have to be pulling a few more rabbits out of the hat, I think. I mean, the interesting thing would be, you know, listen, I, I know when the signing was made, but if the Marlins fall out of this, which is uh, looking look, like a... I see the options on that Jorge Soler contract. We're not taking them. <laughs> <laughs> like, one year at nine million, I'm fine. A couple at 20, all right. I don't, know. I don't want that third year. You can have that. I don't think it's quite as bad as that. It, I, I, I'll dig it up now while we're on and, and work out what that contract, uh, what that contract actually is. It's definitely not up to twenty. Um, but I, don't think, I mean, cumulatively was my point. Uh, let's have a look. Yeah, it's thirty-six in total. Uh, was you know it could be up to thirty-six anyway. So you've got twelve this year, fifteen next year, and then nine million the year after. So you know it's. And I believe there's there could be mutual options in there too, so he can opt out as well. I believe um, if he decides he's, to. So he's, he's not opting out of that contract. Trust me. <laughs> I don't. I don't think he is. I, I. I think he. The way I looked at it was, it's most likely he sees out at least two years of that deal, and then maybe if he has a you know a, a good year in the in the second year, he can opt out of the nine and maybe try and get something higher. I don't know, but yeah, I, I'm intrigued to see. You know, if if the Marlins do make a move with Soler, uh, he's actually been heating up a little bit, I think, and has started to kind of show a little bit more. It was a real slow start for both him and Avi Garcia. He's kicked on, but and Avi Garcia really hasn't. It's been just really sluggish, which is unfortunate because the Marlins committed fifty three million to Avi Garcia, and it's not been good. <laughs> so they want to, you know, you know, with the Marlins and their budget, if they are going to invest fifty mil in someone, they need to get yeah, it right. Yeah, they need they need to. They, it's essential that they do. And if if they whiff on it, that basically puts a handbrake or an anchor in a negative way on this team moving forward. So we'll wait and see. I want to get into the pitching matchups now, Bob, real shortly. But before we do that, reminder: this episode is also brought to you by Bet Online and our partners at Bet Online. They continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs. The Heat look in trouble. Major League Baseball scores fights and even next season's NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet Online, where the game starts. And Bob, where is this series going to start? We've got Trevor Rogers going for the fish. Looks like Ian Anderson, I think, will be going for the Braves. Is that correct? Yeah, so Kyle Wright tonight, and then uh, Rogers against Anderson, Alcantara against Tucker Dodson, and Elieta Hernandez against Max Fried is on the slate for Sunday. Is, is at least how ESPN says it, and that sounds about right. Feels good to me. I mean, the Marlins are bringing their three same guys that uh, started the, the three games in, in Miami uh, last weekend. Obviously, the order's a little bit different now because uh, Elieta was sandwiched in between Trevor and uh, and Sandy, I mean, Sandy Alcantara last Sunday, the complete game. I don't know if you saw it, obviously UK friendly, but stunning performance from Sandy. And actually looking at it, it's a Saturday game for Sandy against Tucker Davidson uh, tomorrow, which is going to be 10 past nine UK time. So we've got a double UK friendly weekend, perhaps. I mean, I don't know if 9 p.m. is UK friendly for you. You might be snoozing by then, but. A little bit. I, and the Champions League's on. I mean, not 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 that not that anything could be more important than a regular season Marlins game, of course. But you know, there are other sport may be available Saturday at nine pm. Is all I'm saying. This is very true. I'm a Liverpool fan as well, so uh, it is. <laughs> it's entirely possible the split screen could be on. But let's go back to tonight's game, then, mate. Ian Anderson, you know, three and three record, 
just about a 40 RA. What's been your take on Ian Anderson? Because it feels like he comes alive in the postseason in particular. Um, regular season, Ian Anderson isn't quite as good. Does he need the more juice? Does he need the juices flowing a bit more to get him going? Well, he hasn't, still hasn't really had that. Well, I don't know exactly how many innings he pitched last year, but I mean, I think we, we do kind of forget that he made his debut in the, the pandemic season against Garrett Cole and was the first pitcher to beat him in like 40 starts or something or whatever it was. If, if pitchers can beat other pitchers. Um, yeah, it, I find it's better when I'm not watching Ian Anderson in the sense that that's not to say that he's bad when you watch him or he's great when you don't, but it's like, even when he's good, like, you know, it's a bit rough around the edges. And when he's not good, like his fastball sitting six inches above the zone. Um, I, I think the really encouraging thing with him is that he, he has that ability to find a way when he doesn't have it. And that's like, that's a really good attribute in a starting pitcher. Um, and so, yeah, like we say, I mean, the guy is dynamite in the postseason. Uh, let's just get him there. I, I think it, it is, is the general mantra. Um, but there are, there are like, it feels like five or six times a season, you will watch Ian Anderson and go, just not his day. And he'll, he'll go, he'll throw 75 pitches in two and two thirds, give up four own runs and be like, yeah. Uh, and that's why the ERA can sometimes be wonky. He's one of those guys, and I don't know, you can't do this with stats. But like the rest of the time, he's actually pretty good. It's just sometimes he clearly won't have it. Um, but he sometimes finds a way of going four or five innings, even when he's like that, and, you know. But he's not a guy I worry about. Not at all. I mean, he, he went six innings uh, last Sunday. It was against Sandy Alcantara. And, you know, Sandy was obviously vintage Sandy. It's funny you mentioned that because the game before, so last Saturday, it was the Kyle Wright start. And I watched that um, live too for the majority. Kyle Wright as well. The first time we saw him earlier in the year when we spoke, insane. This second time around, though, he, I mean, let's have a look at his final line. But I'm telling you, he he did he got through five innings. But he was, he was laboured really early. It was real hard going for him in the first like inning or two, Kyle Wright. Is anything, I mean, we're not going to see Wright in this series, but interesting to get your take. Like, is this is this what the regression has become? Is, is he kind of going through a little bit of a, a kind of scuttling period after kind of scorching it early on? I mean, he really was scorching it early on. Um, I mean, Kyle Wright's not going to be Garrett Cole, right? And like, <laughs> I know that's a weird way to start a point like this, but this might be his ceiling. Like, really good starter, but occasionally has a bad night, like most pitchers. Most guys aren't Max Scherzer. You can't bank on them for 28 starts and just go, well, he's going to be fine. And, like, the the encouraging thing about him is that now it feels like when he gets into those bases-loaded first-inning situations, it's not the end of the world. Um, you know, I had a – there was a – a thing during uh, one of the postseason games last year where like he was pitching fine in like a 0-0 game, the Braves gave him a lead and then he fell apart. And it's just like, what are you doing? Um, so, but like, like, I don't think he's a like elite ace pitcher, but he doesn't have to be. And like the best version of Kyle Wright is a guy that can pitch badly and yet give you five innings of six strikeouts and no earned runs, right? And so in that regard, a bit like Anderson, it's like we've got to know what his realistic ceiling is. 
and let him hit it and know that it's a you know it's not about one game it's about 30 hopefully 35 um the fact that we're we're sat here he's thrown 47 innings this year with a 2.49 era is remarkable um if you can keep doing that we're laughing or if even if you can't if he finishes the year with like a high three era that's absolutely fine and if you're going to get there from where you are now you're going to have a couple of stinkers in the middle no doubt no doubt well Talk to me about Tucker Davidson then, mate, because he's sitting at a 1-1 record with an almost 9 ERA. So I don't think it's been as quite as impressive for Tucker Davidson. Um, I haven't seen him this year, so I'm going to need to get your scanning report on him. Uh, has he been starting all year or what's what's been the kind of the, the last couple of months worth of work for him? Well, he, he's just the, the the latest cab off the rank in terms of like the, the fifth starter. We tried in Noah, we tried Elder, we tried Carl Muller. They won't try Spencer Strider, even though he's uh, like lights out in the bullpen. Yeah. Uh, I think they will eventually. Um, it, it, it's it's like Kyle Wright's just passed the, the curse on to the next guy and going, you're all going to come up and you're all going to struggle. Um, Tucker's just the next guy. Um, and it's hard pitching in the majors when you when you're a, a game away from getting dropped is difficult. Um, he just you know one really good start against Milwaukee and then a really bad one against Philly on Tuesday. You know, and like that's it. But again, he's just the latest off the the, the, the cab rank is the old British expression, the latest yep. cab off rank uh, from AAA. And if he doesn't survive this start then he'll probably go back down again and it's fine like you know if Kyle writes the blueprint here like he had like multiple opportunities across multiple seasons so it's not to write any of these guys off but it is just to say that you're hoping a guy can stick even for like six weeks um Mike Soroka is still the you, you know the, the the big holy grail right and and, mm. and we hope surgery stuck this time um, you know, we talk about the Braves maybe trying to repeat what they did last year. Not to sound like Arsene Wenger, but it might be that those those big guys that arrive in you know July are guys they've already got. It might mm-hmm. be Soroka, Rosario, Matsek coming back. It might be those guys. You know, plus maybe maybe it is Michael Harris, maybe it is Drew Waters. You know, I expect they'll make some trades if they're going to have a go for it. But it might be that filling these gaps is things they can do internally if their luck lands correctly. Um, but there's hope for Tucker Davidson as there is for them all. And, and, and like, if I'm him, I, 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 like give me the Marlins over most other teams right now. But like, it, like if I'm trying to make it stick in the majors, that I'd rather face them than the Phillies. No, no doubt about it on that one. Uh, one final one on the pitch in Max Fried going UK friendly Sunday. Max Fried, is he in the Cy Young conversation this year, in your opinion, in the NL? He's in, he's in the Cy Young conversation every year, in my opinion. But that's a that's a separate story entirely. Um, I, 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 I mean, I don't want to say who cares. Um, I, I, I kind of wonder whether, like, he probably won't be just because there's going to be some guy that's going to run like a low two ERA, and and that's how you win Cy Young. Um, I, I'm not really bothered by that. Like, just keep being Max Freed. And, like, the, you know, I, I, I say this, you, you know, the commentator's curse and whatnot. I don't worry about Max Freed anymore. I, I know I say it about Ian Anderson and whatnot. I used to live Max Freed starts. It used to be my thing. It was, like, every fifth day, Freed would go, and I'm like, I really want this one to work. And, and most of the times it didn't. Sometimes it didn't. Now he's just like, I mean, I've, you know, 
once you once you pick game six in a World Series, this shit doesn't matter, right? I hope we can swear on this show. If not, bleep me out. Once you once you pitch a game six in the World Series, this is just a regular season game, uh, and he looks like he's worked it out at a major league level. Is he going to be in the sign discussion? I don't know. Like I'd have to look at everyone else and know that there's going to be, you know, a guy on the Cardinals that ends up with a 1.98 ERA in the season, and that's how these things work. Um, I, I'd rather he be World Series MVP than, than Cy Young. Will let's say that. Well, wait and see. I, I, I've really been impressed with Max Fried's uh, development last couple of years, and like you, he's gone a tier above those guys like the kind of Ian Anderson you know is definitely a tier below uh in terms of I don't know the trust factor and it just it feels different when Freed's on the bump to the other guys uh, a bit like how it feels when Sandy's on the bump you just yeah. know you know and um you know it's a shame it wasn't the Sunday head or you know head to head with those guys you know Freed Sandy on the Sunday would have been a real nice all the Saturday It'll be nil nil after about twelve innings, wouldn't it? No, no, not two teams. <laughs> like... It really would have been. So, yeah, I'm intrigued. One final one: the Bravos. I mean, uh, they got a game to play uh, on Thursday, so we're recording this before the Thursday game. But this is the Friday episode. Uh, they are sitting in a minus ten run differential, uh, albeit they're in second place, seven games back at the Mets. Uh, again, games to be played today, so this may change by the time you hear it. But does that kind of sum up the Braves? Where I know run differential isn't the be all and end all, but like a lot of close games, the offense just not kind of quite clicking yet. Uh, yeah. Um, sometimes you can be down 10 and it's just be like, well, we've had, you know, we're playing well and we've had five blowouts. The Braves aren't having many blowouts. Their pitching's generally pretty good. They're also not blowing teams out. And so, you know, I mean, what we, what we 50 games in or something like that, 40 games in that kind of range. Um, yeah. you know, in, in that kind of range, 10 runs is basically zero, right? It's 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 half a run a game or whatever it is. It's less than half a run a game. Um, yeah, it, it, it's a t- like it's perfectly consistent with the team I've been watching. It's perfectly consistent with a team that struggles to score more than five runs but has a above-average pitching staff, or at least it feels like it. Um, a lot of games are close. Most games, you know, there aren't many games where, you know, we are recording right now. The Reds are thirteen-five up against the Braves. That might be the weekend scoreline in this Braves-Marlins series, right? Yeah. Uh, Reds playing the Cubs, rather. That yeah, that, that's that's just the way the Braves are playing right now. Um, it was consistent with the Marlins, and the Marlins have got the same problem. You know, they're they're losing more games than they're winning, and they're losing most of them by one run. Um, I'm not worried about run differential. That that's that's not a problem right now. Yeah, no, no one cares about run differential, but you know the Marlins. <laughs> Tonight's game could be thirteen to one, and the run differential could be plus two by the time we play the Marlins tonight. As people are watching this, yeah, that kind of thing, right? Who knows? I don't trust this offense to score thirteen runs at the moment, though. One final one, let you get out of here. Just try and summarize for me your opinion on the Phillies right now, having seen them for four games. <laughs> oh, 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 the uh, oh, I love that clip. The the, the area yesterday is fantastic. Just. You know, Real Muto's tried his best. Like you like to think he's worked out at this point what he's working with, what career he's had. Miami to Philadelphia, oh man, yeah, just just launches one like like a, a dart straight to the second base, goes through them, and then Herrera just runs straight past it, and it's it's the Real Muto gif, the eye roll gif from a couple of years ago. It's that kind of thing, right? Um, they're a funny team. Um, you, you know, they're finding interesting ways to lose. But I, I saw the quote. 
Someone, someone mentioned the quote they keep rolling out. We're a better team than this. You're not a better team than this. Like, you know, like you can be a better team than like this if this is the last like 10 games. You can't be a better team than this if this is the last four years. Um, no. And look, if they prove me wrong, fine. Brace won a World Series. I don't care for the next five years, right? But like the, the Phillies are what they are right now. And until they're not that thing, I feel very comfortable saying that you're you're not as good as you think you are. And I've been very consistent in that in the last four years and they've done nothing to change my opinion. You absolutely have. That's why I wanted to ask you the question because I know how uh, adamant and consistent your opinion has been on the Phillies. The funny thing is, and we kind of stripped this all away uh, a quarter of the way into the season, not much has changed for the Marlins, the Phillies or the Braves in terms of like the way their seasons went a year ago. It's pretty much the same stuff. Some different names, some different guys out there. But fundamentally, they're pretty much the same ball clubs they were a year ago when we kind of look at it. Three, who do you trust to make it work? I, the one I trust most is the Braves because uh, the they, I mean, they have a lot more star power, much better pitching, and they have a GM who is fearless and extremely switched on. So, the, you know. the Marlins have the means, but not the motivation. The Phillies have the motivation, but not the means. I think the Braves have got the means and the motivation. I, I think that's, if I were to sum it up in one sentence, I think that would be it, is that the, the Braves have got just about the right combination that they could they can make this work in the second half of the season. I'm not convinced either the Marlins or the Phillies can. I think it's a perfect way to end this uh, episode. I mean, I think that's a perfect summary. Um, guys, that is us. That's Peter Pratt, Bob Bamba, out of here on Friday's episode of Locked on Marlins. In the meantime, sit back, relax, enjoy game one and the rest of the series. The Marlins desperately, desperately need to win this series. And I think the Braves need to. Bob's got the 3-0 up. I think he means 3-0 Braves. He's expecting a sweep. I would not be shocked at a sweep for the Marlins. Let's go. If you you say it every time, Pete, it will come right once, right? Exactly. It will. No, this is going to be a tough series. Like to just to kind of not to go into loads of depth because we're trying to wrap up, but I can see this being a real tough series for the fish. I, know, I, did I always predict two one. I don't know why I did three to zero. I always predict two one. That's always the point, right? But yeah. Two one. I think I think the Braves are happy with two one and the Marlins are happy with two one. I think that's usually the stock answer. Um, I think this all hinges for the fish. Can Jazz Chisholm is Jazz Chisholm back for the weekend series? Like we need Jazz back. We're absolutely desperate for Jazz to be back. And I get equally if Ronnie's back, you know, we haven't even got into the, you know, the Ronald Acuna situation, the usual stuff, the usual drama. There wasn't any drama in the last series, which was great. Other than three Marlins got plunked, but we won't get into that. Uh, But, you know, it does. It always creates that anxiety. The first pitch, the first pitch anxiety for the Marlins pitcher anyway, because if you hit, if you hit him like Pablo Lopez did last year, you're rejected. Worst decision I've ever seen. Anyway, guys, that is Peter Pratt, Bob Bamba, out of here for Lockdown Marlins on Friday. We're back on Monday. See you then.